Blog Talk Radio. Make it too deep. I'm in too deep. To my need in this street, I'm in too deep. To my need in this street, I'm in too deep. Said I'm deep in these streets, I'm in too deep. Oh, oh, oh. Until my need in this shit, I'm in too deep. Until my need in this shit, I'm in too deep. I said I'm deep in these streets, I'm in too deep. Oh, 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 oh. Sitting here talking to my brother about this, that, and the other. Like, is it right that we can't grind? Is it a right way to do the wrong thing? Standing on the outside looking in. The more I push away, the more I pull in. So-called homies don't give a fuck about me. But it wouldn't be the same without me. I used to get good grades. Now I'm in the hood taking fades. I was born and then I was sworn in it. Now I'm in over my head and I can't see the war ending. Is it for a good cause or all senses? Praying to the Lord and sinning. But is he listening? At night I'm seeing murder in my sleep. Stuck in that thing I'm in too deep. Oh, Lifestyle. My mom and pop was young and I was living wild Back, back then, you know you getting slipped She didn't want me to bank, but it is what it is At a young age, still never slipping Could've took the right round of sound Started cribbing me and smooth Molly Blue On that block, selling rocks on that block Put the cops on his top, we got Glocks when it's hot Down the street was my little nigga infant Swear to God, we miss him, all my nigga had was vision My big bro, TC, bit down since like 04 If it's for real in these streets, I don't know him no more I Gotta keep a strap in these streets, they ain't loyal in these streets when you in too deep At nights I can't sleep, swear to God I can't think Ain't never gon' stop screaming free T.C. Hey. Too deep, I'm telling my
shit is getting worse Before it's getting better It's like the people got a curse Can't nobody stay together I watch them get my people down Plus we're killing off each other No, no Ain't no justice for the brothers No, no Red light behind this car Only thing he digging is This gonna be the end of me See, officer, what's the problem? She's like, every time I turn around You people always messing with me He said, you look suspicious And you fit the description of a caller But a robbery It's some more cops game I keep my hands where they can see him I know this can be the end of me They say that We all created equal But nothing about it equal You know that There can never be no justice When killing us illegal Somebody's gotta take a stand Sacrifice to be a man Somebody's gotta take a stand Nah, nah, no, no So it's getting worse Before it's getting better It's just the people gotta curse Keep the party stay together I want to get my people down Just be killing off each other No, no, no. Ain't no justice for the brothers And that shit is getting worse
the Almighty continue to guide and protect you all, keep you all safe and away from harm's way. Today is Sunday, January 15th. 2017. It's just after 6 p.m. out here on the West Coast and just after 9 p.m. out on the East Coast. We are already halfway into the first month of the year, and we've got so much great things lined up for this year, so much great things. Between DC Book Diva and I, we have a lot of things to announce um, in the upcoming show, so just stay tuned, including but not limited to the launch of Love for the Lockdown Book. Yes, you guys heard it first here. The first that's going to be up to bat is L.A. Meach. We'll be dropping the cover for his book real soon, so make sure you guys stay tuned, uh, as well as Trevon Summers. His book is going to be dropping this year as well. So make sure you guys stay up to date with all that we have going on. Uh, shout out to our sponsors tonight. DC Book Diva Publications, Love for the Lockdown, Gray Family Home, Paper Chase Publications, We Ship Books to Prison, Diego to the Bay Magazine, and Stony Boy Entertainment. Tonight, our special guest, we have uh, Jay Saron. He's going to be talking to us about his, you know, his bed in prison, his book that he wrote, you know, Life After Incarceration, and so many different things. I can't wait to talk to him. I've been anticipating him coming on to the show. So as soon as I see him online, I'll make sure that I bring him on the switchboard. Now, for all of those that are listening in and who have been waiting for a love package for their family for the holidays, we've been backed up because we've had some unexpected uh, situations to arise. But we have the packages. We will be shipping them off within the next week. We have to get some things uh, sorted out. Some of the prisoners were freaking out because of our changes that we have going on. But don't worry, we have those packages. And as you know, just like every year, we'll be shipping them out and sending you guys those confirmation and tracking numbers, okay? So just want to make sure I put that out to you guys and let you know that we haven't forgot, okay? So until we see our special guest, I'm going to go ahead and play some music tonight. Let me see. Let me go on switchboard and see what we have. I have a few tracks that I don't mind playing on this nice Sunday night to give a little bit of motivation. You feel what I'm saying? It's a beautiful day in LA. It's a beautiful day all over the world. So let me go ahead and um, play this song right here. It's called uh, It Never Rains in Southern California and it's by Tony Tony Tony. Check it out. Thank you. 
right now I'm back in South Philly. So. Okay, okay, quite interesting. So you moved around uh, during your life. And, yeah, Rolling uh, but, Stone you know, style. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's right. That's how you got to do sometimes, you know what I mean? But, um, okay, that's quite interesting. So you you pretty much lived all around, um, but um, mainly in Philly. So let's talk about growing up. You know, what was your life like growing up in Philly? Talk to people. Let us know what's like it like like in Philly. And I just want you to know uh, that I know what Philly's like. I've been there several times. I actually lived in Philly, so I can connect with you on a lot of your topics when you talk about Philly. Come on, let's talk. Oh, all right. Well, let's talk. Yeah. So it depends <laughs> what what part you in. Like I said, I've been all over. As far as coming up in the eighties and nineties and all that, you know, the crack era and all of that. So. Um, whether you had somebody specifically in your own thing, like everybody was touched by it, you know, at some point, whether mm-hmm. it was cousins, aunts, you know, I had my grandmother. See, my grandmother, um, she's what introduced my family to Philly. Like she moved to West Philly from New York. And so my pop moved down here. He met my mom when she moved here from Chicago. So we was started out in West Philly. So um, there was a lot of on the block down the bottom, the section of West Philly called the bottom. There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of the crack stuff going on uh, back in the 80s. And uh, so we had a lot of, you know, crack houses, uh, bootleggers and abandoned buildings and stuff. But I had a pretty mm-hmm. well-rounded upbringing. Like, I didn't just live there. Like, we moved around a lot. I've lived in, in, in the county, what they call it the county out here, the suburbs. Um, uh-huh. But I feel like uh, back in the time coming up in the 80s and 90s, there was just a lot of stuff going on a lot of different places because of, the crack epidemic. So I got into some and every in and, and, and being uh in the streets was popular, you know what I mean? So um I mm-hmm. feel like the ex- the exposure of things going on uh, between my peoples and my peoples and uh you know, uh just family members, older homies, older mm-hmm. cousins, um mm-hmm. just exposed me to some things and I got into some things at a pretty young age, like twelve, thirteen. Okay, so would it be safe to say that around that time is when you probably, you know, uh, experienced your first run-in with the law? No, no, I'm actually, I was actually pretty good at uh, at skating. <laughs> I was pretty good at not getting caught for stuff because, okay. uh, like, my father, he used to own a recording studio uh, in the Germantown section of Philly when I was a young boy. So, um, okay. and then there was a... Yeah, so there were some things that happened with him, and it caused my mom to leave him, and we moved to Chicago. Uh, when we came okay. back to Philly, when we came back to Philly, my pop had gotten all religious, changed his life around, and all of that. So then, wound up getting uh, being raised like strict, strict religious, so that I couldn't. Nothing was condoned. Like even average stuff was not cool. That because it was very strict religion. So. Even average okay. stuff that I that we used to do wasn't cool. So when I did my dirt, it wasn't about um, it wasn't about. I, I did. Let me just put it this: I did my best to not only to just not get caught in general because whether I got caught by the law, caught by teachers, caught by whoever, I was going to have to deal with my pop, and my pop six foot six, <laughs> and I wasn't trying to deal with that. So okay, um, okay. Yeah. 
And I, you know, I can, I can, um, I can understand what you're saying, right? So at the end of the day, you know, you were pretty good at whatever it is uh, you were doing, you know, and that's always good. That's the fun side of the game. You know what I mean? Right. right. Um. So I, I wait a minute, but I heard you say that your father was quite religious. Like I know I'm silly that most people that are religious they follow uh be or they are um Muslim. Uh, was he a Muslim? <laughs> it's funny you said that. No, he wasn't. He has studied that. Um, uh, we, he was affiliated with, with Islam, but uh, we had a situation with uh, I in New York that was strong in the mosque in Harlem and had um, had gotten done dirty, I'll just say, by by uh, the people in the mosque. So that's when he stopped dealing with okay. the mosque. Uh, when he when he uh, okay. when we came back from Chicago. Um, when we came back from Chicago, the religion that my father was actually involved in was a Jehovah's Witness or a Christian religion. So okay. uh, they're high, yeah, highly strict, highly strict. So we couldn't, oh, there was yeah. no holidays being celebrated. When I came back, he had shut down his studio. No holidays, no birthdays, no, we don't even say God bless you when people sneeze, all that type of stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that religion. But I didn't have my first run in with the law, though. I probably shouldn't even say this on the air because that's on the. Anyway, I I, I had my first uh, well, look, let's time put it I got. To you, like, let's put it let's put let's put it like this. Whatever you shouldn't say, we ain't gonna say. Okay, but uh, anything right. that's cool, we could talk about. I had a situation um, where I had a little uh, running with the law when I had got kicked out the crib for not following that religion and went back to New York, uh, went to Harlem. Uh, so that was like ninety summer of ninety seven. Um, and I got had you know had a situation over something small. It was just I got I didn't realize that um, I was being watched and got in a little fight in a laundromat and got you know got hands got gripped behind that. So that was my first actual running with the law okay. in New York, actually. Yeah. Okay. So um, I know uh, you know you you're an author. You know you write books. Yeah, yeah, when yeah. um when did when did that you know when did that happen? I mean you know did you have a love for writing books or was it a a situation that brought you to you know writing? Well, there's a couple of situations. Uh, but long story short, I, I was when I lived in Chicago, my grandmother she was really on me about reading because I started elementary school in Chicago, so she taught me okay. how to read. So I've always loved to read. And then uh, when I was in my late teens, I came back from New York. And that changed my life around. Like I got into the, you know, the religion like my people's was because I had some wild, uh, wild couple years in Harlem. Um, so I came back and called myself cleaning up. Um, but then I wanted to help people. So I wrote a book about my life, changed all the names and stuff like that because I had gone through some wild stuff. Um, but I never mm-hmm. put that book out. Like I never put it out. I was receiving some hate from my peoples because they were like, "Well, even though you change the name, people who know us are gonna know that this was you and this is us and yada yada yada." So I never put it out. So then, okay. as I got older, I didn't write no more. I got older. Um, you know, get married, have my son, working, all of that, and things. You know, life goes how it goes, and I wound up getting back into the streets in my early mid twenties, and I was like going hard, like. Had a regular job, but I was also like, you know, like, you know, going in hard in the street to, to make bread. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I wound up getting snitched on behind that long story short by my partner who was, uh, was moving work. So um, I got booked 
and that was uh, back in January 2010. And uh, at that point, yeah, so I had had, uh, a pretty good job at the time, too, but uh, so that wasn't happening. I got felonies, so after I had to deal with what I dealt with, that's when I actually got back into writing, and uh, that's when I put out this book. Uh, When I got uh, done handling that situation, um, started my publishing company, Paper Chase Publications, and and wrote the book Illegal okay. Life in North Philly Story. Yeah. Okay. Now, before we jump into that and talk about your book and your your publishing company, I want to backtrack on something that you just said. You said mm-hmm. that you were snitched on by your partner. Now, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy that you said that, right? Because I was just uh, talking, having a conversation with somebody today, and I was telling that person, like, yo, one thing I know for sure Philly is a nice place to live, to to travel and and hustle, because there's a lot of money out there for a lot of, you know, different reasons, right? But the problem is most people are snitches. (laughs) You don't know who is who. You don't know who's working with the cops. Yes. Right. So you said that it was, was, you know, somebody obviously close to you if it was your partner. I mean, that has to be a hard hard pill to swallow. Yeah, it was. It was, and the crazy part is, like, I don't know about anybody, you know, listening, but uh, as far as, like, when I was sitting, the way I got booked didn't make sense. Like, it didn't make sense, but I just, there was no way in the world. Like, I was actually thinking I got snitched on, but not by him, though. I thought I was got snitched on by the, by the people I was going to serve. And the crazy part, I just got off the phone with Bull. Like, I, was, I got off the phone with him. We was going to meet up later on down North Philly. Uh, later on, I lived in Southwest Philly at the time. My son was a baby. Lived in Southwest Philly at the time. I was going to serve some dudes. Um, and I hit him up like, yeah, I'm going to go handle this, and I'm going to meet you down north, down the Badlands. And mm-hmm. get off the phone with him, and I'm driving down the street. And the way I got pulled and the way they just was husky and just ran up in my shit and got the, got my burner, got my work, it didn't seem right. It Nothing seemed like all my – Let me ask you a question. Like okay, hold on, uh-huh. hold on, Jay, hold on, hold on. So, okay, basically what you're saying is that you're on your way to go do what you're doing, and yeah. basically – you got pulled over by people that already knew what you were on your way to go do and knew what you had on you and knew exactly the whole play. Yeah, that's why it didn't seem right to me. Like, it, it just didn't make – well, I'm going to tell you like this real quick. It wasn't no undercovers or nothing. Like, it, it was in a paddy wagon. And I'm down southwest Philly. I was literally five blocks from my crib. And I'm stopped at a red light. Now, there's somebody in front of me stopped at the red light. And then the paddy wagon pulls up behind me at the red light. Now, I wasn't, no, like, I, we, was, we was moving a little bit away, but it wasn't like I was, like, no kingpin or nothing. We just, in addition to my job, I probably, like, was doubling my income with the, the work we was doing. Like, so, yeah. and I had a pretty decent job, so it was cool. I had my, my Grand Prix, new Grand Prix on dubs and all chromed out and bombed out and all of that. So my paperwork was straight, though. So anytime, mm-hmm. I got pulled over a lot. Like, to be honest, because I guess, you know, it was a little bit whatever. My car was slightly flashy for the neighborhood or whatever. But mm-hmm. I never didn't, when I got pulled over, they would just ask me. They was harassing me, but they would ask me for my paperwork. And it was always straight, so they always let me rock. 
regardless of whether okay. I was dirty as shit because they never had no reason to search my will. But this time, they just pulled me over and just ran, gripped me out my will. They, and I said, why'd y'all pull me over? They was like, because you ran a red light. I said, you was just right behind me, stopped at the red light, and somebody was in front of me, stopped at the red light. I didn't even think they was pulling me over when they put their lights on because I'm like, I didn't do nothing. And they just gripped me, and it was a wrap from there. So when I'm sitting, you know, first I'm in the district building down 55th and Pine, and then mm-hmm. they wind up transferring me to State Road to the F. Like, I don't get a phone call for a couple of days, whatever. Didn't get to call my mm-hmm. wife at the time for a couple of days. But I'm sitting, I'm like, mm-hmm. something ain't right about this. This doesn't make sense. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But I really legitimately, because mm-hmm. I trusted Boy to an extent, and our sons was babies. They played together. His baby mom <laughs> was friends with my wife. Like, like, it, like he, he didn't even cross my mind that it was him. I'm thinking it was the boy I'm going to serve, or one of the boys I'm going to serve. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so let me ask you, how did you uh, come to realization that it was him that, put you in that situation like how did you find out a little well there was a few things that happened over the course of time it was, it was crazy but i'm gonna put this in the book <laughs> but uh there was something that happened where he just started acting funny like because i made bail like and uh well i'm gonna just keep it all the way 100 with you i made bail right so now i'm like well i was hustling in the first place because my wife always complained about bread i need the bread now i just had to get her to go get that bread out the cut and now I got to pay for, I paid for the Lord, paid, you know, a payment on the lawyer, paid my bill, yada, yada, yada. So I can't mm-hmm. stop hustling now. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I'm like, yeah. I can't stop hustling now. Like, I need the bread mm-hmm. more than ever. And the thing that was another thing was weird to me is, like, I used to sell crack when I was in Harlem in the projects in the 90s, like, in the late, mm-hmm. like, 97, 98. Never got booked for it. Never even got nothing. So it was just weird to me that, yeah, we had pounds of tree and we moving a little bit of soft or whatever, but we're doing it discreetly. We're, we're selling it to, to people at the job. Like I was a supervisor at a life insurance company, selling to people at the job. And even the board that I was selling, uh, the boards that I was selling weight to like quarter pounds and, and shit out uh, Southwest, mm-hmm. I met them through a John I knew from West Philly when I was a young boy who worked with me. So there was no, mm-hmm. like, it was the lowest risk involved. I was like, there's, like, there's no way I'm getting booked. You know what I'm saying? So right. when I get booked, I'm like, well, there's no way. I'm What's the chance of lightning striking twice? How about I got booked again February 3rd? I got uh-huh. booked January 3rd, 2010. I was only in for three days. Maybe By the time they let me make a phone call, I called my wife at the time. and was like, yo, like, I need, the, yeah, go get the bread, bring it down. I need to get out of here. I literally mm-hmm. got booked a month to the day later, February 3rd, 2010, but that was nothing. Like, it was, I had, like, an ounce of tree and, like, some bags that was supposed mm-hmm. to be on me. But there was the same thing. Like, they was on my top at this point. So yeah, yeah. When things like started somebody to happen. Put you on the, somebody put you on the radar. Exactly. It wasn't even the same county. I got, like, I got booked in Philly the first time. I got booked on 95. I was actually going to do something totally unrelated. I was going to the doctor out in the suburbs. Like, the, the shit was just in my trunk just because it was in my trunk from running around the night before. Only had an ounce left. But at that point, it was just enough to be considered possession with intent and to be another felony. So they charged me with another felony, yeah. Um, wow, just for an ounce. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Now, now, they changed that law recently a couple of years ago where if you have up to 30 grams 
um, which is, you know, 28 grams is, a, is a an ounce. But, mm-hmm. yeah, like when I got booked the first time, I had a pound and I had a, a, a 25, a little handgun, whatever. But uh-huh. they changed the law where if you have up to 30 grams, it's just a ticket out here now in, in Philly. But back okay. then, that wasn't the case. So they charged me right. with a, uh, yeah, charged me with another felony. Um, and so, yeah, it was nutty. So that time I had to sit because I was out in the county. And they, my bail was, my bail for the first time was 10 stacks, but I just finished paying bail, paying a payment to the lawyer this time. And I had just got booked. So they was like, mm. no, nah, 50 stacks, 50 stacks. So I had to sit wow. a little bit that time. Yeah. Yeah. Before I was so, okay, able to make what bail. was the outcome? Like, did you, did you have to sit in jail? Did you, were you able to, you know, beat it? Um, I didn't beat it per se. Like I consider I beat it because I got a beast of a lawyer, and uh, he mm-hmm. wanted and he had the right connections. I wound up getting house arrest. I was sentenced to three years house arrest, especially for what I was facing. Uh, so he used okay. a, a few things, and this is the crazy part. Now I know there's people in there uh, listening that is booked, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of them got snitched on. Now this is the thing mm-hmm. I got snitched on, and. For anybody listening who's never been booked or who is booked, um, (laughs) the funny part is I was never even approached. That was another thing that put me on to the fact that I got snitched on because it was never going to be an option for me to to talk or tell or nothing. But I was Uh never even asked by, like, the law. Like, by the time I made bail the first time after the three A's, when I met with the Mm -hmm. lawyer – he asked me, I said, that's not even, like, that's not going to happen. So he said, what if they ask you where you, got the, where you got the work or where you got the gun? I said, that's not, you know, like, that's not our strategy here. That's, don't even ask right. me, yada, yada, yada. Like, right. that's not how I was raised. That's not like you, like, you be a stand-up man. But the crazy part is they never fucking asked. Like, the law never asked, the DA never asked, which is like, oh. So to answer your question from before, it didn't come out to like a like a year later because my case was open for like 13 months. Well, my cases were open for like 13 months. Didn't mm-hmm. come out until right when I was finding out and didn't know I was even going to get the house arrest deal. That boy snitched on me. The crazy part was we worked together too. He, tra- he, got, he, he told my job I got booked yeah. lost my job because oh. I had played, I had played the game. Like, I, I I had a, I had a pre-existing medical condition that my lawyer used mm-hmm. to help me get the deal mm-hmm. between the fact that I was young, uh, but I was married. I had a good job. I had a young son, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. I had a medical condition. So he used all of that and his connections with the DA out here who he went to school with and used to work with when he worked for the DA's office, Seth Williams, who had just got appointed at the time. Plus the prisons was mm-hmm. overcrowded. So between paying okay. his lawyer 10, 10 stacks, he was able to make it worth everybody's while for me to not mm-hmm. go upstate, which I, I'm, I was always thankful for. I mean, mm-hmm. I paid for it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I paid for it, but I got, right. I got sentenced to three years house arrest. Um, but yeah, like, uh, it was just kind of crazy because nobody ever approached me to snitch, which like I wasn't going to regardless, but the ball got me out of there. I lost my job. Like I used that medical condition, had my wife go down there, get a uh, family medical leave act paperwork. And, and fill mm-hmm. that joint out. I had her take it back to the job while I was still sitting in the county to say mm-hmm. that I was in the hospital. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't okay. lose my job. So after I got finally made bail the second time off that 50 stacks, I actually went back to work. 
Okay. So my my partner knew what was going on. So what happened was like nine months later when it's getting closer to like I'm going to, you know, because you go to court a bunch of times. So when it's getting closer to me actually going to court to the time where I'm thinking I didn't know I had the house arrest deal. So I'm still thinking I might get hit with this five to ten. So mm-hmm. I took a I took a leave of absence from work again. That's when Boyle tell I get a call from my job like two weeks later. Actually, the day after I was supposed to go to court, and they re- I got a continuance because the the lawyer was like, I'm still tr- I'm trying to work something out for you, yada yada yada. But the board thought at this point I was already suspect to him, so I wasn't really keeping him in the loop. You know what I'm saying? So the board thought that I was out of here. He tried to holler at my wife and everything because he thought I got booked that day. Come to find out, this nigga gets, gets excuse my language, but this 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 snitch motherfucker, he, he told my job, yo, boy ain't ain't sick, boy in jail. So then I lose my job because the whole way I was trying to play it was she could get the short-term disability and the long-term disability while I was booked until they found out I was actually booked. You know what I'm saying? That's why I went on leave of absence first. Like, I ain't a stupid person. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I... I, I coordinated this whole thing so when I found out not only I found out all around the same time that he had told the law about me and he told the job about me fucked up my job lost my job lost my pay lost the this and the third so it was just a crazy situation but I, I did I made out better than a lot of people I wound up getting house arrest and wound up you know being able to get through that and and start my business so I'm maintaining <laughs> yeah that's that's oh gosh that's terrible um <laughs> yeah that's that's really unfortunate you know um that's all i can say you know <laughs> and so and, and, you know and so in situations like that right um mm-hmm. i guess you never even knew what actually he was going through to put him in a position to have to i guess give you up right i thought about that and um uh, he was <laughs> what, what the conversations I had with my lawyer, and then, you know you get the discovery and all of that. And um, I don't know for a fact. I don't think he went through anything. I think he well, at least when I was around, I think he was just a CI. Now I, I don't know. There was I, I don't know. I think between him being a confidential informant and being just a greedy individual because we had split stuff down the, down the middle. The whole situation was my idea in the first place. I was the one that hustled up the money and came up with a way to get the money through a different other type of outlet to buy the work in the mm-hmm. first place. And I was the one mm-hmm. that had 90% of the clientele. I think he's just, there's just some people out there that really just don't give a fuck about nobody else. They'll smile in your mm-hmm. face act like it's all good because they just want to get over and they just want to use you. And at the end of the day, the thing was, and, and, and the crazy part was, um, come to find out through some other mutual acquaintances that he had actually told people, if anything happened to me, this is shortly before I found out that he snitched on me. He had already told his moms who I've been around, his baby mom who I've been around, and some other mutual acquaintances. Didn't tell him, of course, that he was a snitch, but he said, if anything happened to me, Jay did it. Like he's going around saying basically because he knew how I rock. He knew how I rock. Like if I if I, if I was if I wound up beating the joint or staying out, like between me or one of my mans, like his top might have gotten blown behind that. Like the way I was back then, you know what I'm saying? Like so he knew he snitched, but 
people like that, they're not going to sit up there and admit that they snitch. So they're going to just try to make you look like you throw it off and you crazy. And, and yeah. he, he mad, he stressed that he got booked. So he taking it out on, on everybody. No, dog. Like, and I really want to name his name right now. I <laughs> like, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, no real rap. Look, Cause that's, anybody in Philly. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's crazy because look, it's, it's, it's um, Oh God. I'm just sitting here reflecting on, um, you know, situations that I know that, that uh, has happened to people that I know. And it's so similar because at the end of the day, they do what they do to help themselves and they don't care about who it affects. And that's the sad yeah. part. You know, that's why I asked you what I asked you, like, okay, so did you ever find out what it was that put him in a situation to even snitch on you? Because it could be that he's just jealous of you, want what you have, because you said that he tried to get with your wife. I mean, that yeah. alone yeah. is like, whew, that's deep, you know, yeah. right? So it could yeah. be jealousy, or it could have been that he was really just working. And, again, that's scary because you deal with people. Like you said, you have personal relationships with people, and you don't know what they're really what's going on with them. Exactly. You know, you just don't exactly. know. Yeah, I do think it's a combination <sighs> of both and just being in low life. You know, like they say, they call them rats because they do mm-hmm. anything to survive, and they don't care. They'll eat oh. each other. They eat their own young. Like, and the crazy part is, and that's the thing, like, People need to realize, like, first of all, besides the fact that we all got to do what we got to do to survive out here in the system, the way it's set up, it's set up for us to do this. It's set up, especially black and brown people, to have to, you know, do things because half of these legitimate businesses that these multimillionaires now and and family that, you know, American royalty was built off of illegal shit, bootlegging the Kennedys, all of that. Mm -hmm. Like, it was built off of illegal shit. Mm -hmm. But when we do it, we animals because how they view it. You know what I'm saying? They put us in a yeah. situation where we we doing it for scraps anyway. You know what I'm saying? We doing yeah. it for scraps compared to what these excuse me, what these people have done it, yeah. been able to build off of this. And they don't want it's us real. to make anything legitimate out of it. They don't want us to to be able to come up out of it. They want us to be booked. They want us to 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 to, to, to they want people to snitch on each other and to, and to destroy families mm-hmm. and all of that. But at the end of the day, like it's not worth it. Number one. I'll never sit up here and judge nobody because on any given day, I got to do what I got to do. But that's why I'm doing my business to make sure I don't have to do that and can pass something positive onto my side. But on top of that, everybody's snitching these days. Like everybody is (laughs) snitching and people don't even... There's so many people snitching that people like back in the day you used to if, if people knew you was a snitch you would get your top blown. Like yeah. if people knew you was a snitch you would get your top blown or you at least nobody would associate with you if for some reason mm-hmm. people wasn't on your top. Mm-hmm. But it's like these but now it's so decent. Common. It's mm-hmm. decent. Yeah, it's, it's like so people common. encouraging people to snitch. Like people encouraging their mans to snitch and like for real. Like what part of the game is that? So really, like, yeah, do because everything. look, look, most of them, look, check this out, though, Jay. Most of them, they looking at the situation like this. They're getting a free pass to do what they're doing in the street without facing no jail time. If they could just give up a few people, you understand what I'm saying, and 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 live the life that they're used to without getting in trouble, without going to jail. You know, you understand what I'm saying? Like having that get out of jail free card. It's like under- whoa, okay, yeah, no, I no, and I'm not condoning it. I can't understand it. Like I can't even under the way I was raised, regardless. 
childish. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel you. Well, That's why they do it. Age. But they this raise is, wrong. Yeah, this is a, yeah, it's a new age of people. Like you said, back in the days, yeah, that was back in the days. Nowadays, nobody's being taught anything. Most of these young uh, cats, and uh, you know, they, they, they're coming up in the streets with no type of discipline. They're not being taught anything. They're teaching themselves. They're going out there getting into trouble, and then when trouble arrives, guess what? It, it's, it don't, most of the time, it don't even be them like, oh, I'm going to just snitch to get myself out of it. The cops on the norm, they tell you straight up, help yourself. Help yourself because you're facing this and you're facing that, and you might as well. And they try to turn you against you, especially if you got a co-defendant. Oh, they're going to try to yeah, turn you yeah. against them. You feel what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah, I and think that's why that I can't even watch just... First 48 because First 48 makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's snitching on First 48, and the crazy part is, like, people don't think, like, you don't even have, they don't even have, if they yeah. had shit on you, they wouldn't be asking you. They wouldn't be asking you. If they knew already, if they knew enough to roof you, they don't want to give you a deal. That's why they didn't ask me shit. They had enough to roof me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they don't ask you if they have enough. Like, they ask, and people is is singing, and people is dumb, and people have no self-control, and people is scared. These young boys want to be in the streets acting like they hard body, but they scared to spend one night in jail. It's not the place to be, but if you're too scared to even spend the night there long enough to think about what, how you should really approach the situation, then you shouldn't be in the streets in the first place. Straight up. Bottom line, like, that's my message. Like, so... You know, get a job. Ain't nothing wrong with having a job. You don't have to be. You don't have to be in the streets to be thorough. But if you're going to be in the streets, then be thorough about it. Like anything yeah. you do, do it. Do it right. Do it a hundred percent. Don't. 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 Like that's. A, it ain't even about. You know, because I, I know people will convince people. Oh, you shouldn't go to no jail for no other person. But at the end of the day, you're not not going to jail for. Or for you're going to jail for what you got caught doing. And why yep. you don't snitch is because are you a man of your word? Are you a stand-up person? It's mm-hmm. not about sacrificing yourself for somebody else. It's about are you able to look at yourself in the mirror every day regardless of what you do? This is whether we're mm-hmm. talking about street shit or, or, or legitimate business. Straight up. Any type, of, any type of business, any dealings that you have, you should, be able, you should want to be able to look at yourself in the mirror at the end of the day like – you know what I mean? Like that's just how I feel, and that's why I would never right. snitch. Right. Like, right. Like, and I agree. We, I agree with you. I agree with you. I would never snitch. I've never snitched because you know you you put your, you've been if if you've been put in situations where you know you have the the chance of going to jail or getting locked up for it. You have to mentally. You have to make up your mind to know that look, this comes to the cost, and that cost. It's, it could be at any time, and you have to know that you have to make up your mind to know that you have to be willing to pay the cost. And most of the time, it's all about, look, you can't be hustling in the streets and don't have lawyer and bail money, straight up, because right, that's right, when yeah, you get exactly. fucked in the game, and that's when your mind starts wandering off and getting fucked up and, and start thinking all kind of shit just to get yourself out of it. So if you hustling exactly. and you ain't got your bail money and you got your lawyer money, you're setting yourself up for failure for one. Okay, but you you cannot you cannot just get into you know jump into any type of situation that that has consequences of jail time and just say okay you know I'm gonna do it I ain't gonna think about the consequences but whenever happens I'll think of something 
You know, you can't do right, that and right, then right. jeopardize other people's lives. Like, this world is so selfish. I don't understand. I mean, it's an epidemic. I mean, it goes on yeah. in Philly. It goes on in Cali. It goes on all over the damn world. People are so selfish. They don't care about who yeah. they hurt just to benefit, you know. So I'm I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm glad that we elaborated on that because it's a common factor in a lot of situations that people find themselves into. Now, um, yeah. I know that you have, uh, you know, you, you have a publishing company. Let's talk about that real quick, you know, uh, as well as your books. You know, let's talk about that. Let's let people know that they can find your books and, you know, what you got going on in the future. Well, I got uh, my publishing company is Paper Chase Publications, LLC. It's 100% independent, black-owned uh you know, Philly-based publishing company. So that's what, when I was like, I can't have a job, a decent job, making any decent type of money anymore. So I did what mm-hmm. I had to do, started my publishing company. Um, I, I re- Like I told you about the other book that I wrote when I was 19, I rewrote that when I was on house arrest. Okay. Uh, but I was like, that joint okay. is so long, and nobody really cares about my life story. So let me write something else to introduce myself to people. So that's where Illegal Life a North Philly story came through. So I, you know, everything I write is reality based. So I weave in experiences of myself and other people and of course change everything so that nobody has to deal with any consequences, no dry snitching. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, that, that, the illegal life of North Philly story, um, I'm sold out of the paperback books right now, but the ebook is available on iTunes um, okay. Inktera, I-N-K-T-E-R-R-A, and Kobo, K-O-B-O. So the, the the e-book is available for five ninety nine on those sites. I'm revamping my personal website right now, and, and some so that uh, I can make stuff available again on there. Um, and then it's available okay. in some. When I do have paperbacks come back in, they'll be available. They're always available at Black and Nobel on Broad and Erie. In North Philly, uh, okay. it's like a staple bookstore, a black-owned bookstore of the city. I know, exactly, I know exactly who. Yeah, I know exactly who uh, who that is. Hakeem. Yeah, and, shout uh, out Tyson. exactly. Shout out to Hakeem. Yeah, shout yeah, out exactly. to shout out to everybody at Black and Nobel Books. Yeah. Right there in North Philly, off of Broad Hawk, and Erie, Tyson, Big Phil, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. You know they doing their thing. You know we ship. Uh, they ship to to prisons, and you know. Yeah, so shout out to them. Um, man, man, we got so much to talk about, so much to elaborate, but I know you got things to do. Um, I just want people to know where they you know, where they could uh find you on social media so that they could connect with you. Um, so let them know where they could find you. Okay, well, uh on Instagram it's Paper Chase Publications, uh with an S at the end, so that's straight like that, no hyphens or nothing. It's paper chase publications on Instagram. On uh, Facebook, it's uh, Paper Hyphen Chase Publications is the business page, um, and then so it's three words. And then on Twitter, I don't really be on Twitter like that, but it's Jay Sarone, the writer. I'm pretty sure so like J A Y underscore Sarone C E R R O N E, the writer. I don't be on there like <laughs> my fault, but yeah, main thing is Instagram, <laughs> and then you know I got my website okay. paperchasepublications.com. Um, like you can't order off of there right now temporarily, but you can still look at the gallery and look at information and keep it po- updated with upcoming events. I, you know, throw book release parties. I got 
a soundtrack coming out for Legal Life and North Philly Story soon. I got a Making a Legal Life documentary coming out soon, and I'm wrapping up. So got the audio book coming out That's soon. Cool. So there's a few things that I'm working on right now in addition to more books. So, yeah. That's what's up. Yeah, keep up with me. That's what's up. Well, you know, we, we definitely have to keep in contact. Anytime you have a release, anything that you got going on, popping off with Paper Chase Publications, you got to make sure you reach out to myself or Tia, DC Book Diva, so that we can have you come back on the show, talk about, definitely you know, will. your release, and, and introduce it to the prison world. You feel what I'm saying? Sounds good. And another thing, now that you said that, I'm actually thinking I've been having plans when I get my next shipment and I'm gonna I'm gonna send some out. I gotta coordinate to make sure there's no issues. But I'm gonna send some uh, some books out to to the jails and prisons to just you know give the brothers something to read for for just for the lookout. So um, just wanted to put that out there. So okay, that's can, what's uh, up. That's what's up. That. So I'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted so we can put that out there. So. Most definitely, I know they'll appreciate it. You know, they, they're, they're, you know, our our folks behind the walls are definitely some of the biggest supporters and readers. You know, um, so I know they always appreciate when we're able to slide them some new releases. You know what I mean? Right, Get them introduced right, right. to the author. Most definitely. So, I mean, if there's anything else that you want to share with us, make sure you take the time out to do so. Otherwise, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I let everybody know where they can find you and uh, we'll talk soon. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show and everybody listening that's behind the walls. Hold your head and uh, try not to get no extra cases while you're in there. So do your thing. That's a good message. That's what's up. Well, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on the show, Jay. We've definitely got to keep connected and uh, definitely make sure you keep in contact with me and my, uh, myself and um, DC Book Diva. You know what I mean? And we're here. Sounds good. I appreciate you having me. Good luck. All right, for sure. Thank you for uh, for coming on. Good night. All right, sis. Good night. Yeah. For all of you guys that are just tuning in, that was uh, our special guest for tonight. His name is Jason Rohn. You can find him on Facebook at Jason Rohn Smith, as well as on um, Facebook at Paper Chase Publications and on Instagram at Paper Chase Publications. Okay, check him out. He has a, a book uh, called Illegal. Uh, what is it? Illegal. I'm sorry, he just said it, but it's a North Philly story, you know what I mean? Um, make sure you go check it out. I've seen the cover of it. It's pretty tight, you know what I mean? Support the author. Now, for all of those that are listening in and on the switchboard, if you want to say anything to me, press number one, you know what I mean? I'm here. I'm rocking out with you guys until 7 o'clock. It's 6.55 out here on the West Coast. And I mean, you got five more minutes. Anything you want to talk to me about, holler at me. I see all you guys are just tuned in. And I want to give a special shout-out to everybody that's uh, rocking with us on Instagram and just everybody in general, everybody that's calling in and listening in that I can't see you, that I'll see you on the stats later on. Shout-out to all you guys. You know, we appreciate the love most definitely. Um, wow, I see my sis, DC Book Diva, on the switchboard. Shout-out to her. Shout-out to L.A. Meech, free L.A. Meech. I see you, bro. 
keep your head up. We got a whole bunch of great things to look forward to. I told you already, a good friend is better than pocket money, and you got a good friend in me. You can trust in that. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see. I guess well, I'll put it to you like this. We'll be here next week, same time, same place. Our special guest will be uh, Cornell Amir. So make sure you guys look out for the flyers. Uh, if you want to connect with myself and the whole Love for the Lockdown team, you can check us out on Facebook at Love for the Lockdown Radio, as well as on Instagram at Love for the Lockdown Radio. Shout out to all of our Love for the Lockdown angels, uh, Del Owens, uh, Kiera Northington, uh, Denise Cologne, Jane Panella. Shout out to the homeboy Godfather, uh, the homeboy Big TC, uh, HC Poster Child, the homeboy BG Lay, um, oh my God, there's so many of them, the homeboy T, uh, shout out to my homegirl Nicole, shout out to all of the women that are at the Valley State Prison in California, everybody that's rocking out with us tonight, I just want you guys to know I appreciate you, enough love from Cali Kim the boss, I'll see you guys next week, peace. <laughs>